Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you as always. We're going to have a little fun, hopefully some laughs, maybe tell a few uh, stories and anecdotes, but uh, also going to learn learn a little bit. Uh, DMs, always open. Got a question for us? Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any topics you want covered, we'd love to hear about it. Maybe you want us to circle back, drop deeper into something. Um, going to talk about, ready for this one? I It's so interesting how every couple of years there's a diagnoses or a pop psychology label or concept that just becomes like the new thing. In the field of uh, psychopharmacology, diagnoses become what everyone has. And for a while there, everyone had ADHD and then it moved into everyone has bipolar. It's really quite fascinating. We're not going to get into that as much as the pop culture terms that get slung around. We're still in a time when everyone's everyone's a narcissist and there's all these pages of how to deal with narcissistic abuse and you know, that's not to minimize the impact of being with someone who really struggles with that. But remember, we don't make a lot of the choices we make. We are often doing the best we can with how we've been built. Our early environment and every relationship and experience after that builds us. And yes, we have to expect people to treat us kindly and lovingly, but we also want to hold empathy to understand how someone came to be the way they are. Now, if you've been the victim of someone's bad behavior, I understand that that's a very you know, difficult thing to do. And maybe that's not something that's ever a part of your journey. Being trauma informed means understanding that not everyone's ever going to be in a place where they're healed enough or feel safe enough, or even needs or wants to really understand the abuser. But um, my job is to really empathize and help everyone and to understand the psychological underpinnings as to why someone is the way they are and what they're doing. I do hold empathy for everyone because again, we're built. No one chooses to be whatever we're talking about, let's say narcissistic or borderline, that's a that's a result of trauma. People are socialized that way. How does narcissism happen? Well, someone hasn't had what we've called healthy moments of merger. And people think that that's odd. They would think that, you know, well, remember, let me, let me do it differently. We are relational creatures. We need healthy relationships with caregivers in our early environment to understand self-care, 
self-regulation, how to interact with others, but more importantly, our primary caregivers, our family of origin, they train us to believe that we can trust others or they train us to believe we can't. They train us to believe that other people are there for us and that they're responsive to our needs and our needs will get met, or they train us to believe we can't do that. If we're raised in an environment where our parents, our caregivers are not able to be available and responsive, we don't then turn to others. We turn to ourselves. It's called auto-regulation. That is not self-regulation. Self-regulation and co-regulation, meaning the ability to calm ourselves down or to turn to other people to help calm us down and to support us, which is a skill we need even as adults. Yes, as adults, we need to learn how to rely upon others and be dependent on others. That is a healthy skill. I work with tons of couples where one of them saying, I wish you were more open, intimate, responsive, present. That is what we're talking about, you know? And as children, our caregivers train us. And then every experience after that, you know, what social network do we then move into? If we, again, are very avoidant, we don't have a corrective experience with friends that show us, yes, people are safe, you can turn to people. That's how narcissism begins. It's a healthy, it's a lack of healthy merger, which means this, our ability to connect and attach with our caregivers is how we learn how to self-regulate. And if they're not available, we turn to external things. That's what's called auto-regulation. We'll turn to video games, food, shopping. And I gave you an example once before, and it's the easiest one I give, which is if you came home from school and you had a very hard day and you were willing to take that risk and uh, say to a parent, I had a hard day, or a parent says, how was your day? And you say it was hard. And instead of sitting with you and saying, tell me about it. Oh, it sounds like, you know, you were... You know, if you got made fun of at school, they might say, oh, it sounds like you were embarrassed. That must have been very hard. And they, they sit with you and they talk to you. That experience gets internalized. And through them being there with you, you take those skills and you're able to do that with yourself, for yourself, while also circling back to them at times. We internalize them, those skills. If we don't have access to that because they're not safe at all or they're not present at all and you come home from school after a hard day and the house is empty or they're physically present but not emotionally and so they're busy, they're occupied and you just go in your room and close the door and put on music or sit down in front of the TV or play a video game, that's a powerful moment where you're realizing what makes me feel better is to not feel and what makes me feel better and helps me not feel is to turn to you know my cell phone, the computer, video games, television and then you most likely don't emerge as a social being that can rely on others to be available. And so the caregivers, I want them to say, come here and talk to me, not, oh, go play a video game, you'll feel better, because then they're reinforcing that. It's all about being present and available. So that's how narcissism begins. That's, that's, that's the roots of it, is a lack of available, present, responsive human beings, and then the perpetuation of that as we move into our adolescence. Because we can have corrective experiences where people show us, no, people are safe, feelings aren't scary. Maybe a teacher, you know, kids at school, other family members, you know, future relationships. Gotta take a little break. We're gonna come back and talk about though the uh, bigger topic, which is not narcissism as much as it's are you gaslighting yourself? Because that's where I wanted this to all go, this new term gaslighting that's like taking fire. We're gonna talk about that, so stick around. Uh, DMs always open, so like we said, you got a question, drop it in there, and past episodes of Loveline, always over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, we're back. And uh, before the break, I was talking talking about narcissism. And what I really wanted to talk about is this whole idea of make sure you're not gaslighting yourself. And I was just kind of saying that every couple of years, a new term comes out that everyone's using, slinging around, and we're still in the phase where everyone's a narcissist. If you're in a relationship with someone and they let you down or hurt you, they were a narcissist. And maybe they were, maybe they weren't. We're all narcissists. Let me just bring it out and say that. It's how much of a narcissist are you? Narcissism, there's a healthy component to it where we think we have worth and value and we set boundaries and we ask for what we need. That's a healthy exertion and use of ego and narcissism. But it can be very pathological as well. And narcissism is on the short end of the soci- of sociopathy. They're a continuum. Narcissism's watered down. Sociopathy is the more extreme version. Because narcissism isn't people that have a lot of self-esteem and are grandiose, although that can be components of it. Narcissism is truly clinically about a lack of empathy, a lack of care and concern for how you impact others and a lack of care for others. And that's what people are really talking about when someone harmed them. That person wasn't a good partner. They didn't look out for me. They focused more on themselves and their needs. They're a narcissist. That might be true, but there's also sadness in that because they couldn't do any better. Uh, narcissists are doing the best they can. And often it's not that they're narcissists, it's that they have what we call an insecure attachment style and they're avoidant. They want closeness, they want relationship. A lot of people are threatened and overwhelmed by that because of their early environments. They didn't have it, so they don't even know how to do it or their partner, I'm sorry, or their parents or caregivers were threatening. And the only way they could survive because of how unsafe their environment was is to lean away from people, lean away from the world and just rely on self. 
our ability to be good relational people is something that we are socialized into. So it's all dependent upon every relational experience you've had up until literally today. All of those experiences create how you see others and relationships and how safe they are and what your expectations are and how much intimacy you can handle. So that's why we have to be very thoughtful about the partners we choose because they're training us towards more intimacy, comfort, or away from, towards better skills or away from, towards more trust or away from. So please get out of abusive and toxic relationships. They're going to harm you quicker than you can heal the other person. So think about that. But the bigger point is this word gaslight. That's the new thing now too, gaslighting, gaslighting. But I found this interesting conversation that was had online about maybe you're gaslighting yourself. What are the ways that we really talk ourselves out of the reality that we believe to be? Because that's what gaslighting is when someone convinces you that your version of what happened or reality is not at all what's happened. They're trying to essentially win. They're trying to say that they're correct. They're trying to make you question yourself, to not believe your experience or what you think or felt. So they're always giving you a challenge. They're always trying to make their thought the, the center point. But what about if we do that to ourselves? What if we essentially invalidate our own feelings? Because we have a relationship to others. We also have a relationship to ourselves, And the relationship we have with ourselves matters. And we don't often think in those terms or assess it because it's an internal thing, something we're very familiar with because we're with ourselves all day long. So it can be really hard to realize, wow, the same thing that someone else might be doing to me or that I wouldn't want done to me, I might be doing to myself. So what does that look like? What are the signs that you're gaslighting yourself? Well, the first thing would be that you invalidate your own feelings. You'll say things like, it's not a big deal. I should just let it go. Other people have it worse. I'm not right-sizing it. And sometimes that's very much true. And that's where this gets very clunky because some of this stuff is a healthy part of mental health saying, huh, that should be about a three or four. I'm making it an eight. Let me turn that down a little bit if that's true. Or you're gaslighting yourself. You're, you're talking yourself out of the truth of what's really going on. Sometimes it is a 10 or an eight and it is healthy for you to then be responding to that in that way. Because mental health is feeling all feelings deeply, being able to regulate, being able to assess what's an appropriate response, but we have to still let ourselves have a response. And if you've been in a relationship with people that always prioritize themselves, or if you've been in a family that is not emotionally healthy, that hasn't said feelings are okay, this is what you're feeling, this is how you deal with it. If you haven't been around parents that could hold that, you might also have been raised in a family or around people that are what we call toxically positive. They believe in toxic positivity, that we should only ever be happy. Put a smile on your face. Don't be sad, don't feel bad. People have it worse. That's not fair, that's not kind, that's not mental health. Sometimes things are bad for us and it doesn't matter if someone else has it worse, it's still bad for us. We're allowed to feel our feelings. Toxic positivity is a form of gaslighting, that you should ignore how you feel and just put a smile on your face. That's not honest, that's not real, and that's not intimacy building but we can do that to ourselves. So check in on that. What else? Well, if you don't set a boundary and you try to make excuses for someone else's behavior. So instead of saying that person isn't healthy or healthy for me, you start to say, well, maybe it's just my perception or maybe it's because of A, B, and C. Yes, we wanna have empathy and compassion for why people are the way they are. Yes, we wanna have empathy and compassion for why people feel the way they feel, but it is important for us to be able to acknowledge and identify if something's wrong in someone else or our relationship to someone else. We talk a lot about that here on Loveline. You know, what are toxic friendships look like? What is a toxic work environment? What are toxic family dynamics? Because we do want to be able to appropriately assess that. 
We don't want to shame ourselves or talk ourselves out of it. We've identified that. And that can be very hard when you're coming to see that your brother, your best friend, your wife, to have to really look in the, look them in the face or look at yourself and say, they are not kind. They are not healthy. This is something I can't be a part of. That's hard. And so I appreciate where some people then do the mental gymnastics of gaslighting themselves by saying, eh, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe other people have it worse. Just be happy you have a brother or just be happy you have a marriage. But that's not true. That's not mental health. The quality of all those relationships matter. They actually impact us neurobiologically. And I don't want to get really carried away by explaining what that means, but there are parts of our nervous system that are built by the relationships we're a part of and they're kept healthy or they're not. We're always on edge. We're always hypervigilant because we're afraid of being harmed or whatnot because sometimes we're part of unhealthy environments that require us to be thinking in those terms. If you're with someone who's toxic or abusive, it's understandable that you're never able to really settle down, relax, or let your guard down because it's not safe to do so. And so that's healthy, but some, but we want to be in relationships where we don't need to do that anymore. Believe it or not, we can be in relationships with people where they are kind and they do look out for us and they wouldn't harm us and we don't need to be on edge and we can trust them. Let's take a little break. We'll keep talking about this. So stick around. Listen to Loveline, Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right. We are back and we're talking about the uh, difficult topic of bump up a bum are you gaslighting yourself? And this is important because remember, we, we have relationships to others, but we also have a relationship to ourselves. And I don't think we pay enough attention to how do we treat ourselves? How do we talk to ourselves? And you know, all this was born out of me talking about how there's a lot of topics and theories and labels and diagnoses that become like the it thing, you know, the thing of the moment. And uh, gaslighting is a word that we're slinging around a lot. And on one hand, I think it's great because it's helping people really realize something that's happening. If we can give it a label, we can understand it, we can look for it, we know what to do with it. But we sometimes do it to ourselves. It's not just how do we treat others. What's our relationship like with ourselves? What kind of self-talk do you, do you use with yourself? Ask yourself that, sit with that for a minute. If I were to listen to the dialogue in your head, what would I hear? How do you treat yourself? How do you talk to yourself? Is it, are you always putting yourself down, shaming yourself? Or are you very supportive? Did you eat something you wish you hadn't eaten? Great, let it go. Hey, I ate that. I enjoyed it while I was eating it. Don't feel so great now. Oh, I hope I make a different decision next time. We're always moving on. We have to be kind with ourselves. Um, I'm not worried about, well, that's another topic, but be kind with yourself. So we're talking about do you gaslight yourself? And we were really zeroing in on how do you deal with your own feelings? When you feel something, do you shame it? Saying, oh, if I'm not feeling good or happy, then I need to feel bad or shame whatever I'm feeling. Remember, mental health is feeling every single emotion. Anger is not bad. Frustration is not bad. Loneliness is not bad. Those are part of the full range of human emotions that we should feel. But we've built a culture where people think if I don't feel good or happy, something is bad or wrong, and the job or the work is to remove it or fix it right away, whether with therapy or medication. That is not true and that's not healthy. Neither therapy nor medication's job is to make you a robot. Neither therapy nor medication's job is to make you only feel half of the full range of human emotions, and the only half is the good half. Even spiritual practices can be what we call forms of toxic positivity when we believe we should only ever feel good, and if we don't, we're mentally ill. No. Sadness, anger, frustration, all emotions are communications. We need those communications. It's our body telling us we need something. When we're sad, lonely, depressed, or anxious, the question should be, what is my body or my psyche needing? What is it a symptom of? What is it communicating? We have to sit with it. We have to go into it. 
But we do also what we call emotional bypassing or in the spiritual world, spiritual bypassing, which is we take these tools and we use it as a way to not feel, just to keep a smile on our face. That's not healthy. So to gaslight yourself is when you shame your own feelings. It's not a big deal. Other people have it worse. I'm overreacting. There's a positive element to that where I do think we need to right size things and not dramatize and catastrophize. Not everything is a 10, but your feelings are valid. Just make sure that they're appropriate for what's happening, but feel them, communicate them. That's also how we build true relationship. If you aren't able with the people in your life to tell them what you're feeling honestly and truly and fully, then you don't actually have a relationship. You have a partial relationship, a conditional relationship, one that's built on as long as you're doing good and feeling good, I'm there, but if not, I'm out. That is not honest relationship, that is not trust. Intimacy is built when we share those darker, heavier parts of ourselves. Intimacy is also built when we have fun and novel experiences with someone, but it's in the darker, heavier moments that we're more vulnerable that we really bond and people feel close to us and we feel close to them. So are you, you know, so, okay, so what does it look like when you gaslight yourself? We talked about invalidating your own feelings, shaming them, minimizing them, saying they're not okay. It also could be when you're making excuses for someone else. Instead of acknowledging this person isn't good for me and maybe they're toxic, it's okay to put yourself first. It's not self-centered. It's what we call self-centering. Healthy people acknowledge and pay attention to how do, are, how do the things I'm doing and saying in my lifestyle, how does it impact all the people I care about? There is a relational part to that, but there's also a self-focus as well. We have to look out for ourselves and those around us. We don't make just unilateral decisions, not caring about how we impact you know, people, especially if we're in a primary committed relationship. We really do need to think about how we impact them, but we also have to pay attention to how we impact ourselves. Also, this came out of some of the research, constantly shooting yourself. I shouldn't feel this way. I should be over this. I should just be positive. I should just be happy. I want, the minute you start using the word should, you are shaming what is. The minute you're, you're saying it should be something else, I should feel something else, you are not being present in the moment and you're not honoring what's really happening and how you're feeling. And the work is to say, no, 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 come back, come back. This is what's happening. This is how I feel. And that's okay. That's okay. That's the acceptance part. We have to have that. That's part of health, healthy self-esteem and relational esteem. Also, believing yourself is too sensitive. That's another one. As a result, you feel ashamed of your emotions, maybe suppress them, because you believe that you're just not allowed to really feel. That's not mental health. Also, you don't trust your own judgment. If you second guess yourself, don't listen to your own intuition. Intuition is important. It's part of emotions. We have an implicit memory system. Our implicit memory, our amygdala, its job is to make assumptions very quickly, sometimes wrong, but very quickly about the safety of what's going on around us. Our intuition isn't always perfect, but it is something that's reasonable. It's based on experience and associations. So it can be wrong, but its job is to protect us. And so people do give off an energy. That's not the exact right word, but our implicit an unconscious system is always paying attention to people's posture, their facial expressions, micro facial expressions that you're not able to even pick up on, their body language, the tone in their voice. Those are all part, important parts of our internal system that is assessing for danger, and we wanna honor that. Gotta take a little break, and we're gonna quickly slide into those DMs, so stick around for that, we'll answer your questions, and then we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey, stick around. All right, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Oh, this one's a good one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, so my boyfriend and I, we moved in together during quarantine, very much at the beginning. 
famous last words sometimes. Initially, everything was awesome, felt comfortable, went great. But then about a month or so ago, everything started to feel different. Well, it's been a journey, y'all. We've been encountering, facing a lot of things that we hadn't had to encounter or face in the past. And our relationships might not have been able to be as resilient and durable as we thought. Uh, we decided that he should move back to his parents. Definitely still want a relationship, definitely still love each other, but maybe all the stress isn't great for either of us. I feel like if we ever try to live together, maybe the same thing will happen. Should we just call it quits? Wow. Here's the thing, we never know. Uh, relationships change just like we do. And the health, our mental health, just like our relational health is impacted by everything going on around us. Illness, our jobs, you know, other relational stuff, what's going on in the world. And so just because it felt and operated one way at one time doesn't mean that's how it will always be. And we see that over the course of a relationals, uh, the, over the course of a relationship's arc and legacy, we expect it to be punctuated with moments of difficulty. Those difficult moments and how we as individuals and as a couple deal and show up to them really speaks to our level of commitment. And I'm not saying that we hang in there and hang in there through, through everything. Commitment actually should be conditional. It should be there based on us both showing up as healthy individuals and caring for each other. And if and when we don't, then we should not be committing because there is no relationship at that point to commit to. So let me say that one more time. Commitment is conditional, but it should be only based on, are we both showing up and creating something healthy and being healthy for each other? And if not, we shouldn't be committing because what are we doing then? What are we prioritizing? Just this concept of commitment at all costs? No, the people in that commitment matter more. And the commitment we make in a relationship is I'm here as long as there's love and care. And when there's not, I should exit. And, and I want people to. We shouldn't stand there at the altar and promise forever. We should say we're here as long as this is healthy for both of us and we both do our part, which is why I think some unmarried couples have it right. They're like, look, I can go and I need to go and I'll stay as long as we both prioritize and make this th you know, work. And that's how it should always be. But we sometimes get, you know, have kids, get married, get a house, and then we're trapped because it's harder to get out and we ride it out when we shouldn't be. So be more honest. Hey, honey, I commit to you as long as you commit to me. But when we both stop committing to each other and we put other things first, well, we should sit down and talk about that. Because relationships aren't this thing that exists over there on autopilot. It's something we're actively always participating and contributing to. So all that to say, what worked at one time might not work at another time. But as long as we are both showing up and doing our part, we hang in there. We, we maintain commitment through tough times. We don't maintain commitment through toxic times. And so as long as you're both being loving partners, all should be well and we should hang in there because that's when we show trust, what we do in difficult times. The good times don't matter. Trust is built casually in those times, but when it's easy, it's easy. Enjoy that. But when it's hard, that's when we really show our partner, yeah, we're going to be there. We're going to be there through tough times as witnessed and evidenced by me doing it right now. So move, live separately, that was a really rough go. And when the world is different and feeling more confident and comfortable, come back together and try it again because that will be a different experience. The stressors are different, assuming that they all get resolved in the time apart, right? So really just try to talk out what was it that didn't work about us living together and what impact might everything that was going on during this difficult time that might be resolved or not. But give it a shot. Right? There was something that brought you two together that felt meaningful. And so operate from that because I, you're, not, you're not sharing any deal breakers. 
Red flags maybe, but red flags are things we stick around and, and, and get more information about and see if they move into deal breakers, uh, but they're not necessarily deal breakers. And I think we get those two things very, very, very confused. All right, uh, we're gonna take a little break and then we're gonna talk about sex. That's what we do here on Loveline. And then we'll be uh, back in those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Just scroll on down, look for the name of the show, click on it. All the past episodes are there. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. But uh, drop us a question. Anything you want answered, topics you want covered. Always, always, always happy to hear from y'all. But we're going to come back and talk about pleasure because we need to center pleasure in our lives. I think we over-center exhaustion <laughs> and overworking. Um, all right, we'll stick around. We'll talk about you listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back, y'all. All right, we're back and we're talking about good sex. Why am I not having good sex? How do I have good sex? How do I get back to that? It's a powerful, important thing because you know, in our sexuality, it's not just this thing we do with this other person at home with our clothes off. Sex is so much bigger than that. It's this big, broad umbrella term, right? And it includes sensuality, eroticism, affection, arousal, desire, it's huge. But it's not something that's natural. And, and I get so frustrated when people are like, oh, sex is just natural. No, it's not. Oh my gosh, it's the most socialized thing in the world. What we do, how we do it, how we feel about it, all of that is just rooted in how we've been socialized. We've been socialized to believe that it's something we have to say quietly. It's something that's bad. We can't even use the right terminology. We have to say words like down there. We have to drop our, you know, the volume of our voice if we're talking about sex. We have to actually get more comfortable talking about it proudly, loudly, and confidently. Sex isn't bad. Bad. Nothing is inherently bad. It's what maybe people choose to do with it. Sure, people harm people, but they do that within relationships. We don't talk about relationships with silence and shame. We have to bring sex out of the shadows. And so sex isn't natural. There's nothing natural about what, how we do it, where we do it, how we feel about it, what we do, what we don't do. It's gendered. I'm a guy, so I can only have this part of my body touched. Natural sex would just be we go towards what feels good, but it's gendered, it's racialized, it's political. We make it about if we're hetero and we think that's gay and I'm straight, so I can't do that. Our body shame is in there. Like it, there's so much in there, right? So there's so much work to do. And that's why we're not having good sex because we have the most dysfunctional relationship to sexuality. So again, first ask yourself, you know, we talked about this on a past episode and I was really trying to drill home how important it is to really look at it. Like what was my early family of origins relationship around sex? Cause I inherited that. But then let's also think about our adult life. How healthy are your friends around sex? What happens when you try to bring it up or talk about it? Are they pretty elementary and anxious about it? Are they sex phobic? Cause that matters. You're up against that. You're bathing your psyche in that. You're impacted by that. So how sex positive are your friends? Or are they very shaming? Men don't do that. That's gay. You're a sex addict. You know what I mean? Like if that's, that's them, your friends are not mature around sex. And we want to really start to be around and have some mature, healthy influences around us. Because that trickles into how we show up sexually to ourselves and to a partner. So what's your definition of sex? Just start there. Because for me, it's a very broad thing. But what we tend to do in our culture is we make it about penetration and genitals only, which is really funny because people will say, well, we didn't have sex. And I'll be like, oh, well, what did you do? And they'll talk about all these things that to me define sex. And I'll say, well, that's interesting. So are you monogamous? Yes. Well, then if, that, if what you just told me, oral and all that is not sex, then your partner can go do that with others. No, 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 they can't. Well, why not? Ah, because it is sex. Like what's your definition of monogamy? Whatever falls under monogamy is sex. 
So whatever you define, if they do this, they're then cheating on me. Well, then those things qualify as sex. And that has to matter to you and your partner. If them sending cute messages to someone else is cheating, well, then that means sending cute messages is part of sexuality. And it is and it should be. And I want us to honor that. If oral is cheating, it's because oral is sex to you. And so let's include that in the definition of sex. Sex cannot just be penetration and genitals. And our definition of what's cheating and what's monogamous proves that. But somehow in our conscious mind, we think that sex is just penetration, but it's bigger than that. Again, as evidenced by what we define to be cheating, things that are far well beyond outside of just penetration. But ask yourself what your definition is because you're holding yourself accountable to that and you're minimizing and illegitimizing amazing experiences that you might be having with your partner or, or you know, husband or wife because you've decided if it's not penetration, then it's something else. But we don't want to do that because sex, what is the purpose of sex? Let's just go back to even that before we even talk about what is it? What's the purpose of it? Fun, connection, intimacy, whatever you might label as the purpose will honor this broader definition that I'm trying to get everyone to internalize. We focus way too much on doing it right or doing it correctly or doing it perfect. I can't tell you. How many people I work with clinically that fall under the definition of their main issue is an inability or an anxiety to not do it perfectly or right, or to be a real man about it, or to be a good wife about it, or they're afraid of being, it's, it might look gay or whatever. That is all of us being obsessed with what we call performance. I don't help clients with performance. I help them focus more on pleasure. The goal of sex is fun, enjoyment, and that can happen in a thousand different ways. But when we make it not about that is when we get into trouble. If I say to them, don't worry about getting erect and staying erect, don't worry about orgasm, don't worry about penetration, just go create pleasure with this person. It opens up so many doorways and it decreases the anxiety and it takes pressure off of us. It's pressure being a receiving partner but it's a lot of pressure on the person who's taking the assertive top role because it's usually their job to initiate and to maintain. And that is a lot more pressure than a lot of people's psyches or bodies can handle. What we define as sex, true sex, real sex, correct sex, is part of the health of the sex we have. What do you believe the goal is? What is this magical goal that you think you need to do correctly? And where did you get that idea? Because if sex to you is just about doing it right and getting to this finish line, then you are a bad sex partner because none of that sounds to me about fun or pleasure. It's just about getting somewhere, getting the job done. And if we did, we're good. That is so detached. That is so non-intimate. We got to take a little break. We'll come back. We'll keep talking about this. So uh, stick around. You're listening to Loveline, Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about what is sex. I could talk about this every single night and we would never really nail this nail this down because this is something you can't just hear once. You have to really keep working with this. What is sex? Why are we defining sex? It's this one thing and this one thing only and that we have to do it the right way. We are putting so much of our self-worth and self-esteem on this vision of correctness and we wanna broaden that. Focus less on being perfect. Focus less on what you think has to happen. Focus more on what does it feel like to be together? What does it feel like to be in that moment? I think we've lost our way for a lot of things. I'll bring up my other favorite topic that I complain about, weddings. 
the amount of anxiety and turmoil that is created in a wedding is mind boggling. It's a party. It's a freaking party and a celebration. Why are we ruining friendships over it? Why are marriages falling apart around it? Why are people going into debt around it? Why are people literally having meltdowns over it? It's a party. Calm down. It's supposed to be fun and a celebration, but we have lost our way and we've made it about, it's got to look a certain way. It has to have a certain flow. It has to, we have to spend a certain amount of money and people have to bring a certain gift. And it's like, None of that is fun. Where did the fun go? Dear God in heaven, if that's what it is, please do not invite me because I don't want to be a part of that mess. We do that with holidays. It's a holiday. Don't worry about if all the chairs or plates match. Just have everyone bring some food and be together and have fun. I remember all the drama back in my childhood with my mom. The table had to look a certain way and the food had to be perfect and everyone had to arrive on time. And what are you going to wear? And is your sweater clean? And it was like, oh my God, it's supposed to just be fun with friends and family. But we've really lost our way and our culture is so performed. We want to wear the right shoes and have our hair and skin look the right way. And we have to battle aging. And it's like, oh my God, it's the total removal of humanity. But we've done that to sex and love and dating as well. When people start saying things like, I can't date a guy unless he's this height or they need to make this amount of money. Again, you've dehumanized the process. You literally have moved away from what it's supposed to be about. You're objectifying, you're bringing in your consumerist values. It is not about ideal and optimal. It's about finding someone good. And sex is that way too. It's just supposed to be this fun thing that people do together. We've gotten so hung up on how big is it? And are they able to stay erect? And did it look okay? And did I maybe make too much noise? And it's like, oh my God, get out of ego. Get out of consumerism. Get out of capitalism. Get out of performance. Just be in your body and be with this person come back to the fun and the pleasure. That is something we need to apply to everything. Our jobs could be fun. Our relationships should be fun. Our wedding should be fun. The holidays and parties we throw should be fun. Try to come back to that. There's a big movement called pleasure activism. I'm gonna have to bring a lot of that back where it reminds us to just go towards pleasure. I've tried to inspire y'all by saying that if someone offers me a job opportunity, someone wants me to do a show, be on their podcast, write an article, my first job, my first thought is always, is it good for my mental health based on what's going on? And I have no problem turning things down if they don't, you know, pay me for my labor or also if it's not good for my mental health, but also is it going to be fun? And if not, I say, no, I want, I'm allowed, you know what I mean? I want people to lead with fun. Has it sound like it's going to add joy to my life? And if not now pass, we don't need our lives to be harder, more complex, but why are we doing that with sex? Why are we doing that with dating? Dating should be fun if people were kinder, but again, we think it's about how it's supposed to look. We have a goal. We're worried about achieving certain things by a certain age, and we've sucked the joy out of everything. We all need to calm down a little bit and be kinder to ourselves and others. But again, we're talking mostly about sex. Get back to the fun and the joy. That's really what it's about. It has no purpose other than fun and joy. Even if you're trying to get pregnant, it's still going to serve you to bring back the fun and the joy in the meantime but we've really made it something to do a certain way, do it correctly and make sure you get it done. That is not what it's about. So first focus on the pleasure, bring pleasure back to sex. Remind your partner that, hey babe, doesn't matter what we do, let's just go have some fun, let's play. That's the key word, bring the play back. Just go play. It doesn't matter where it ends or how it starts. You know, there's no right way. 
challenge that in yourself, but challenge that in the other. Bring the pleasure back. Fun is fun is an acceptable metric. I want people to quit things because they're not fun anymore. That's right. You heard that right. That's mental health. If it's not fun, remove it from your life. Yes, we have loyalty. Yes, commitment matters. But commitment should end when it's no longer fun for us. Should marriages end when they're not fun anymore? Yeah, they should. We shouldn't keep things in our lives that are bad or toxic for us or make our lives harder. Should you leave a job when it's not feeling fun or good anymore? Yeah, you absolutely should. Should you quit the the softball team when it's not fun anymore? Yeah, you should. It's softball. It's supposed to be fun. Your job, believe it or not, could also be fun. Go find a fun job. I know there's privilege in that. I'm not saying everyone quit their job on the fly, but if your job's making you miserable, try to go find one that makes you happy. Happiness, fun, and pleasure are mental health metrics. There's no mental health in, I'm so burned out, I'm working all the time. Oh my God, that's the opposite. People that are like, my schedule's so full, I can't add anything else to it. Oh, that makes me worry about their mental health. That is not an expression of mental health. Mental health means there is work at times. Other times I'm doing nothing but seeking joy and pleasure. And it also means there's times for downtime. Downtime and leisure should be protected time and space in your day and your calendar. That is not free time that can be infringed upon. Honor and protect that. I do. I don't let phone calls interrupt my downtime or leisure time. That is not time for me to add work. No way protect that. But we need to bring that back to sex. What are you trying to do? Where are you trying to get to? Get it done, do it the right way so that you can just get a gold star. There's no, what is that even about? Who are you serving in that moment? You know? So start with pleasure. We're going to take a break in a minute, but just sit with that. What if we use pleasure as a goal, as a metric, our lives would improve. Things would be softer, less stress. That's why I love working from home. I hope to never work from, I hope to always work from home so I can wear comfortable clothing in the temperature I choose with my refrigerator nearby. It's okay to want a a pleasure-centered life. But when we're talking about sex and relationships, it's mandatory. Taking a little break, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris from Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're talking about sex, but we're also talking about pleasure, pleasure-centered life. It's amazing how many responses I get from people when I use that concept. It throws them off. We really still have puritanical, uh, puritan-based ethics that we think it's all about work and we're just here to work and your worth and value is tied to how much labor you do and how hard you work. That's not true. That's capitalism. No, thank you. Your, your, your self-worth should be tied to what kind of a person you are and how you treat others. Not what you're doing, but how you're doing it. I don't care what you're doing. As long as you're doing it with kindness and compassion, that's mental health. And have as much leisure as possible. I was watching this horrible documentary, very cross-cultural in its differences. And this other culture was in the United States running a business. And they were like, y'all love downtime. Y'all love breaks. We're just, we're alive to work. And it was like, dear God in heaven, no. (laughs) And there's a lot of people doing pleasure activism. It's important. Really ask yourself that. Are you wearing things that are comfortable? If not, why not? Who are you trying to impress? Wear comfortable clothing. What I mean, ask yourself that in everything. Am I driving a comfortable car? Is my clothing comfortable? Is, is the food I eat food that makes me smile and happy? Do I go to the gym to a certain amount that makes me happy? Or am I, you know, no pain, no gain at work, no pain, no gain in what I'm wearing, no pain, no gain in what I'm eating, no pain, no gain at the gym, no pain, no gain in my relationship, no pain, no gain in my sex life. Oh my God, that sounds horrible. And that's not what life is about. So we're trying to come back to a pleasure focused, uh, especially in sex and relationships. So start with yourself. Is pleasure the focal point for sex itself and sex with other? 
you'd benefit from that. Start using that word. When you talk about sex with your partner, say, I don't care if penetration happens, I just want pleasure. And we also know from the stats, for those that are with people that are vagina owners, that 75% of vagina owners need clitoral stimulation to orgasm and find pleasure. Penetration does not create that. And so let that also just sink in. There are total books centered around, hey, we're not even correct with sexual anatomy. We aren't even having pleasure-centered sex when we're focused on penetration only. But somehow magically, due to heterocentricity, we've decided that that's the correct and only way to have sex. We need to evolve beyond that. Some people will never have penetrative sex. That's okay. It's okay to recognize you might never want that or enjoy that. Also, things like toys. Toys are sex. Toys might be the only kind of sex. For some people, masturbation is the only kind of sex. Some people are more solo sex. Sex with themselves is their orientation, right? So it's okay to not want penetration. It's okay to only enjoy toys. It's okay for your favorite form of sex to be oral. There's nothing bad or wrong about that. That is not primitive, immature. You're not broken. Ask for what feels good. It doesn't matter if it's normal. It doesn't matter if it's correct. It doesn't matter if it's right. Go after what feels good to you because that's the point. And healthy, mature partners agree and honor that. They're not going to say, no, no toys, we have to do penetration. No, no oral or clitoral stimulation, we have to do penetration. What are, we, who, what are we honoring at that point? Just this idea of correctness. Why? Fantasizing, totally acceptable. Bring it back to pleasure. Pleasure should be the guide for the foods we eat, for the activities we engage in. When I talk about exercise and movement, I say do what feels good. You don't have to go to the gym and sweat. You can roller skate, you can hula hoop, you can go for walks, you can go hiking. We just need to move our bodies. There's no wrong way, just move your body. Sex, again, no wrong way, just move your body. Do what feels good. Work out for as long as feels good. When I go to the gym, because I do like the gym, I like pushing heavy weights, I like the air conditioning, I put my music on. I know some people there. I leave when my body says we're done. I don't pay attention to the clock. I let my body guide me. Intuitive exercise. I let my intuition tell me what to eat. I eat when I'm hungry. I stop when I'm full. If I feel like a snack, I have one. Pleasure-centered. I wear clothes that are comfortable. Pleasure-centered. And I understand there's privilege in that. If you're of an identity that's already suspect in our culture because we're homophobic and we're racist and we're gender-pleasing, I understand that for some people, they can't take those risks when their identity and their authority is already suspect. I appreciate that they can then not perform casualness. I get that. We can't all let our tattoos blast. We can't all wear whatever we want. But you can try to center more pleasure. You can try to be more guided by that. We all have to, that's mental health, but especially in sex. If you're not having sex that's centered in pleasure, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? To make your partner feel happy and valid? We got a bigger problem if that's what sex has become. If sex has become a respirator for someone's ego maintenance, we have a problem. We do. If you can't hold your head up high, by having sex just rooted in pleasure, we have a problem. If you need to have orgasms and penetrative sex for it to be correct and finished, we have a problem. Because that, that's, that's not what sex is about. So challenge that. Sit down with your partner and ask them, what is sex? Where did you get that definition? What are we leaving out in that definition? Should we continue to do that? What are we missing out on? Why are we doing that? What are we, who are we serving and what are we serving? And then ask, what would it be like if we just focused on pleasure? What would we do? What would we ask for? What would I want done to me? What would I want to do to you? What would you want me to do to you if we just lived from a place of pleasure in sex and also in our relationship? What if we didn't need to get married? 
to prove commitment because commitment isn't proven by things like marriage. It's proven by how we show up to each other. What if we centered our relationship in pleasure and we just focus on having fun with each other? We don't have to perform the, a happy couple in the way that the world's told us. We would live in truth. Imagine that. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and do those DMs. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we are back and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. Drop questions in there, topics you want covered. All right, let's see what we got here. This one says, hey, Dr. Kristen Loveline. I've been with my girlfriend for about a year. Oh, wait a second. This is kind of a little bit of a similar question. Let's go to this one. Dear Dr. Kristen Loveline. Oh, wait, is this the same question? I like this guy. Pretty sure I'm in love with him, you say. But, drum roll, he has a boyfriend. He's always flirting with me. DMing me and we're always texting. He says his boyfriend is at work, but I still feel bad. Yeah, I, I, that's an interesting flex. Oh, no, no, it's all good. He's at work. We good. 
<laughs> I'm glad you feel bad. Listen, participating in someone being cheating or having infidelity, again, we're going to find out more because maybe they have an open relationship or maybe their definition of monogamy uh, doesn't include you know, texting other people. Again, every couple needs to talk about what do we, what does monogamy mean? Because everyone has a different definition and you can't hold someone accountable to your definition if they haven't consented to that. It's a consent issue. Hey, what are we both promising? Because I'm going to hold you accountable to that. And my feelings are going to be tied to that. You have to talk it out. Don't assume. Because it doesn't make you right. It doesn't mean whoever had the more stringent definition was right. You should have known. No, no one should know anything. We have to consent. We're adults, right? So you got to talk about that stuff. So maybe this is cool for them. A lot of people don't care about stuff like that. I personally don't. Um, and I'm in a relationship. I'm like, that ain't that deep. But nonetheless, my point being, if you are helping someone cheat, like this person might be, you are at fault. You are part of creating harm. You are not absolved of that. You are an accomplice. Be better than that. You're not, you're not getting exactly what you want, I don't think, but nonetheless, you're helping harm someone. And I think you'd be offended if you found out someone was helping someone you cared about in a relationship with cheat on you. I don't think you'd be like, no, that's cool. If you know, do better, right? Um, so I don't, this work thing is wild to me. Oh no, it's good, he's at work. Uh, he keeps inviting me over to have dinner with the two of them. That's actually my worst nightmare and my biggest fantasy. Ah, gets more colorful. Is there a nice way to ask I'm sorry, is there a nice way to say, and I quote, break up with him and then we can hook up? Whoa, this is a zinger. Um, well, a couple things. Are you just looking to hook up? Because if you're looking for more, this person is showing you that they're open to betrayal and that they're not really worthy of trust as evidenced by the fact that they're having a side relationship with you. Uh, and I think it'd be very, very unkind to show up at dinner as though we're all friends when we're all not. Like that is a lot more harm. Unless again, this person's boyfriend knows about you. So that's my first question. You need to be an adult and say, hey, what we're doing is leaning into the erotic and sexual. Does your partner know? Oh, they don't. How would they feel if they did know? Oh, they wouldn't like that. Well, then I can't be a part of that anymore. And let's not pretend like we're friends to see how much we can push the boundaries and dance around in the gray area as though that's mentally healthy or even ethical. Like we need to have ethics, ethics. We have to have ethics. <laughs> we have to care that we harm other people. It doesn't matter that I think they're really cool and they're really hot or his boyfriends at work. It doesn't matter. Like we're not doing deceptive, manipulative things where you're going to be presented as a safe friend and then show up to the you know dinner table. That's horrible, very unkind. So there's a lot of missing information in this question, but it doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't sound like a good idea. Go get your needs met with someone who's available because I feel like you're trying to just steal and take the breadcrumbs. Like you're really hungry and I'll just take whatever I can eat. Go, go eat at a different restaurant that is willing to give you the whole meal. Don't settle for breadcrumbs. Like where's your self-esteem in this? That you want someone who's not available. And why do you want someone who's this deceitful and unethical? That to me erratically turns me off. I have no interest in participating in that uh, on any level. And you're harming someone. So go go find love and sex where it's, where it's available and doesn't hurt anyone. Because... Healthy sex for everyone is sex where no one's harmed. And if in any way the sex you're participating in or being a part of harms anyone on any level, that's not kind. And there's a consent issue in there. This, this guy's partner is not able to consent to that, but yet is a part of that somehow. So let's be a little bit better. We're, we're moving into the new year at some point, and we're going to all work on just being better and really considering the impact we have on other people and caring about it more. More of that. And that's why I keep saying we don't need to work on our single selves. We need to work on our relational selves. Here's an example. The person asking this question has to work on their relational ethics, you know? I say that lovingly, not to shame, but we got to do better. All right, y'all, that is our show.
Thanks for sticking around and joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. As always, thanks for hanging out, and y'all enjoy the rest of your night. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t